I want to talk to you this morning about the, about the subject of facing hostility or responding to hostility. How do we respond um, as Christians in a hostile environment? And I don't mean just generalized hostility like we're exposed to out when we go out in public. I mean a very specific kind of hostility. And that is the hostility that we receive as a result of our Christian faith. Or and or the hostility that we might receive as a result of the way that we live out our Christian faith. That, that, those types of things. So it's a very specific kind of hostility that I'm talking about. Um, throughout the New Testament, you know, Jesus, Paul, all of the, all of all, pretty much all of the New Testament writers actually spend a, a pretty fair amount, fair amount of time talking about this subject. And they all give us pretty much the same type of instructions. But here's the thing, you know, like so much of Jesus' teachings, these instructions that they give us oftentimes go against our human inclination towards self-preservation, self-protection, uh, and, and retaliation. So what, unfortunately what happens a lot of time is when we are met or when we're faced with some form of hostility because of our Christian faith, we do exactly the opposite, or we respond exactly the opposite of what we have wisely been advised or instru instructed to do by these early church leaders. We respond poorly, and as a result, two things happen. Number one, we don't represent the character of Jesus, and number two, we further turn people away from possibly having a relationship with Jesus. So we need to change that, folks. You know, nothing we ever do, nothing we ever do or nothing we don't do, should ever give anybody reason, we talked about this last week, should ever give anybody reason to not be able to experience the love of Christ. Remember what we ended up our sermon with last week from the book of Romans. Don't be a stumbling block for anyone. Don't be a stumbling block for anyone. That needs to be our motto for the rest of 2023. Don't do anything that's going to be a stumbling block or not do anything that's going to be a stumbling block for either somebody coming into a, into a relationship with Christ or for somebody being able to grow into their relationship with Christ. And this is especially difficult, and I get that. When we're met with hostility, I know it's especially difficult, and we want to, we want to respond with our human responses. We want to retaliate. We want to push back against that. But the thing is, that's not how we're instructed to live, not by Jesus, not by Paul, not by any of these New Testament writers. They want us to go in exactly the opposite direction, Kind of in line with the whole love your enemy thing, right? Right, absolutely. We don't want to love our enemies, but we're told to. So what? Are we Christ followers or not? Same idea here, same principle. I want to show you a little piece of scripture out of 1 Peter <clears throat> that speaks to this. And this is just one. I mean, the, again, the New Testament is, you know, the Gospels, the Epistles of Paul, pretty much every New Testament writer, again, at least to some degree, addresses this issue of, of what to do or how to respond when we're faced with hostility. This is just two of, of many verses. Uh, but this one comes out of the book of First Peter, and it's actually the, the, author, the authorship is it's actually attributed to, to Peter, uh, the, one of the original disciples. But it's First Peter 4, 3 verses, verses 12 through 14. Verses 12 through 14, starting in verse 12. Peter writes, Dear friends, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. Why are we surprised when this happens? Why does, why, does, why, does this, why does this come as some kind of shock to us that people don't like us for some reason? It shouldn't be. They, they told us that 2,000 years ago. Jesus told, said the exact same thing. 
don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that's come to test you as though something strange were happening. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And that's the word of God for the people of God. <clears throat> Let me give you just a little bit of background about the book of 1 Peter here. This entire book, this entire letter from 1 Peter is all about facing persecution and facing hostility. And this, is, these, this, this particular, these particular churches that this letter was written to would know a whole heck of a lot about being persecuted and, and what it's like to stand in the face of real hostility. I don't know about y'all, but my life thus far has not been threatened because I worship Jesus Christ. Thus far, anyway. These guys, it was a different story. Totally different story. At the time uh, that this letter was written, Peter penned it. Uh, again, to disperse churches, various what, we, what they would call house churches, basically, um, that were located in territories that were all under Roman control or uh, really Roman oppression. Not just that, but at the time that Peter wrote this letter, the Roman Empire was under the, uh, the rule of a guy named Emperor Nero. Y'all ever heard of Emperor, Emperor Nero? If you don't know or if you do know anything about this guy, y'all know that he was pretty, a pretty nasty guy. Uh, he had a regular habit of being an abusive leader and also of, of torturing and, and, and executing Christians. So when Peter writes these verses today, <clears throat> and he says, don't be surprised at this fiery ordeal that, you're that you are confronting, that's the situation that, he, that he's speaking into. That's the situation that he's writing into. <clears throat> Most likely, these guys, these Christians that he was writing to, were facing both governmental hostility and also local hostility from the general population. Here's the thing, though, despite all that. It, I mean, this is something we, we really can't imagine. We got, nothing, we got nothing to compare this to. There's nothing that we, 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 we can't relate to this, really, because, because we don't experience that. But I do want you to get the, real, the fullness of this. This is real persecution. This isn't somebody that doesn't like me. This isn't somebody disagrees with me. This is real persecution. This is real death. This is real beatings, those types of things. So, so, so let's, let's, let's try to at least understand that to, to a small degree anyway. But here's the thing about this letter and its early Christian church. Despite all of this, despite the beatings, despite the beheadings, yes, there were beheadings and all kinds of manners of torture and execution, Peter writes these words. He says, Rejoice. Rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let me ask you all this. When was the last time you all rejoiced when you faced some kind of scrutiny? Or some kind of hostility or some kind of rejection because of your faith. <clears throat> or perhaps because we believed that some person or some group was, was working against Christianity or working against us or working against the church. Y'all experience joy <clears throat> when you face that? What do you feel in your heart, in your emotions? And, and this has happened to all of us at some point or another. What do you feel in your heart? What do you feel in your emotions when this, when this happens? Are you overjoyed? Do you feel blessed? As Peter writes, 
or do you feel something else? I'm going to guess something else. I'm just going to take a shot in the dark here, and I'm just going to say probably something else, right? <clears throat> but Peter says differently. He says that we can rejoice when we, suffer, when, we, when we share in the sufferings of Christ because our hope is in Christ. We can rejoice in the sufferings of Christ because our hope is in Christ. Any temporary hostility that we endure during our short time on this earth is just that. It's just temporary. We know how the story ends, folks. We know that all of this mess that we have created as human beings is going to be redeemed one day. We know that God's perfect kingdom on earth is coming. It may not happen in our lifetimes. It may happen in our lifetimes. We don't know. But we know how this story ends, and it ends perfectly, and it ends beautifully. We have hope because we believe what's, book, what's written in the book of Revelation Chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. This is how it ends, folks. <laughs> or this is how it begins. I like to think of it that way. This is how it begins. I saw a new heaven and I saw a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city of the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I know this is a lot of metaphor, but just try to picture this in your mind. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and we will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. Love this verse. Love this verse. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Why do we have hope? Why can we enjoy? Why can we suffer in joy through whatever hostility we face? That's why, among other reasons, we know how the story ends or begins. However, you want to think about that. This perfect world is coming. So that this is what Peter was referring to when he writes in the scriptures today: rejoice inasmuch as you participate in those sufferings so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. The glory of Jesus, the glory of God will be revealed. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And that's why we can be at peace in the face of hostility, in the face of, of persecution. It's the reason that so many of these early Christians were so bold in their faith. That's why they were so willing to die for it as many did and, and, and as many have you know I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of folks saying you know I would I would I would kill I would, I'll do anything to protect my religion to, I would kill I would kill for Jesus Christ would you die for Jesus Christ he never asked us to kill for him but he certainly says you're probably going to suffer it's the same reason why a dude named Stephen in the book of Acts we'll talk about this Wednesday could get stoned to death while a guy who would eventually become the person we know as Apostle Paul cheered the crowd on as they stoned this guy named Stephen and Stephen looks up and he says Lord Jesus don't hold their sin against them that's why that guy could have that kind of strength that kind of faith that kind of power sounds pretty familiar just to another guy that hung up on a cross very similar y'all know what happened to the original 12 disciples 
Yeah, not good. <laughs> Only two of them weren't martyred. One of them was Judas, and we know what happened to him. The other guy was John, right. The rest of them were all killed. They were all martyred, joyfully, happily. They died doing what they love for who they love. Why? How can you go do that? How can you go through that kind of persecution? Folks, do we really have that kind of faith today? I know we like to say we do, but I mean, really? Would we die for Jesus Christ today if it, if it really came down to it? That's some serious faith, man. That's some serious faith. I love, I love to romanticize the Methodist movement. I love to romanticize John Wesley and that whole, that whole early Meth, uh, Wesleyan church when it got started and uh, how those guys operated and all that stuff. But Wesley got his butt kicked physically a lot. You can read in some of these, some of these old books, some of these old memoirs, biographies, those types of things. Wesley and those early guys, they didn't have it easy. Wesley was not welcome one for one thing in his, in his own church. He was ostracized by his own church. That's why he started preaching outside a lot. He would go into town and they would pelt him with rocks. They would drag him by his hair. Yet he kept on doing it. He kept on doing it. And he kept on doing it. Just like these early apostles, these early disciples, this early church did. Through violent opposition. Violent. I'm not talking about a Facebook post that offends me. I'm talking about real opposition, folks. Real persecution. Real hostility. We want to get our stuff all up in a bunch over something that somebody writes on a computer. Would we really die for our faith today? Would we really die? You see, Wesley, the apostles, the early church, Peter, all these guys, they believed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They believed in the promise of what was to come and that that promise was worth enduring whatever amount of suffering they had to endure. They loved Jesus and they loved people that much. They loved Jesus and they loved people that much. They knew that they were not part of some stale, impotent religion. They were part of a movement. They were part of the movement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were part of the movement of the kingdom of God on earth. I've told y'all, I've told y'all a thousand times now, I love that word movement. I love that word movement. That inspires me. Knowing that Christianity used to be called that Christians used to be called followers of the way. That inspires me. That sounds like something I want to be a part of, man. And that's what these guys were a part of. That's what this early church was a part of. It was something that was worth dying for, even in the face of all this hostility. That's what love looks like, church. We talk about love a lot here at Beamish United Methodist. Y'all know that. Also, we know that love is not some kind of mushy sentimentality. Love is giving, even if it means giving the ultimate. It is giving, and it is advocating for, and giving, and giving, and giving some more. This is love in its most pure and its most holy form, the form that willingly gives itself to whatever might be thrown at it. It's the kind of love that compelled Peter and the early Christians that I just talked about to suffer for the gospel and it's the kind of love that propelled Jesus Christ to hang on that cross. Holy love, pure love, love for God, love for neighbor will bring suffering. There's no doubt about that. 
love for God and love for your neighbor is going to bring suffering. It will bring hostility and it will bring us some form of persecution. There is absolutely no avoiding that. Jesus and the New Testament scriptures in particular tell us in no uncertain terms time and time again that this is going to happen. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 15 verses 19 and 20. He said, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Hostility and persecution come from the world because of our faith and our allegiance to Jesus Christ, and it's unavoidable. It's an absolute guarantee. What do we do about it? How do we respond to it, though? Instead of fighting against it, here's the, here's the irony, here's the paradox, whatever you want to call it. Instead of fighting against it, we welcome it. Gladly, joyfully. In Matthew 5, at the end of what we call the Beatitudes, Jesus says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kind of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Are y'all seeing the similarities here? Are y'all seeing the pattern? Folks, we don't model the ways of the world when it comes to facing hostility, when it comes to facing persecution, whatever, whatever that may look like. We don't model the ways of the world because of our faith in Christ. We, you know, we've really got it, let's just be honest, we really, as much as we want to complain, we've really got it pretty doggone easy here in the United States compared to some of these early Christians that we talked about, and some of our brothers and sisters around the globe who have it really, really hard, who are actually meeting in, in, in hiding today so they don't get killed, so they don't get arrested. Those folks have it hard. We've got it pretty easy. Nonetheless, we've still got this habit of, of wanting to respond to these conflicts in our fallen nature when, 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 when we're faced with this hostility, when we're faced with this whatever. We want that revenge. We want to retaliate. We want to get even. We want to, we want to push back. But that's not the way of the cross. That's not the way of the cross. It's not the way of what Peter's talking about here. It's not the way of Jesus. Love your enemies. Jesus says. That's one of his most famous sayings. Most well-known sayings. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And let, let me just be honest. You know, those, those verses are not... People have a hard time with this. They say, they say well, I don't want to be a pushover. I don't, I, you know... I don't think God calls us to be pushovers. Those verses, all these teachings, these verses, this isn't about being a pushover. It takes a lot of strength not to push back in these instances. You ask me, it takes a whole heck of a lot more strength not to retaliate in these instances than it does for me to react in my anger, in my self-preservation, those types of things. To me, that's real love when I don't push back when I do love my enemy, when I'm able to muster the strength to love those who persecute, who talk about, who share misinformation, who engage in character assassination. 
That's hard not to push back from. I get that. But it takes a lot more love not to. It's not about being pushovers. It's about having the strength. And it's about having that non-mushy love, that non-mushy love that we talk about so much that we refuse to hate. We refuse to respond to hostility with more hostility. In the words of Paul in the book of Romans chapter 12, we refuse to repay evil with more evil. Y'all, if we could get this, we would change the world. If we could actually grasp this, practice it, live it out, can you possibly imagine the change that would happen in the communities around us? And if we're hated because we love our enemies, that's a good reason to be hated. I can live with that. And I believe that's what Jesus meant when he talked about that. They're going to hate you because of me. They're going to hate you because you love people so much and they don't get it. They don't understand it. We refuse, church, to be overcome by the evil of the world. We overcome that evil with the goodness and the love of Jesus who is, who is residing inside, inside each and every one of us. One more and I'm done. Some hostility we earn, and we need to own that. And we don't have any right whatsoever to get mad about it. Sometimes we earn people being hostile towards us. I was hostile towards the church for a long time, and the reason that I was hostile is because they were hostile to me first. The environment that I was exposed to was hostile to me for a number of reasons. In my mind, they, they deserved that hostility that was reciprocated from, from me. I listen to people's stories all the time. I hear, I hear people who have, been, who have been hurt by the church. I hear people who have, who have been a part of a church at one time and they left for whatever reason, and I listen to their stories, and they have been wrongfully hurt. They have been mistreated. Now, if somebody is hostile towards me because I did something bad, you deserve that. That's not what I'm talking about. If they're hostile towards us simply because of what we believe, that's a different story. If they're hostile towards us because, because we're living out our faith in the radical way that we love people, you know, that's a good reason to be hated. That, that's okay. That's, that's what we're getting at here. Don't give people a reason to stumble. Don't give people a reason to stumble. Here's another great example of what we're talking about today. Don't respond to evil with more evil. If you could sum up, if you could sum up the last 20 minutes... Don't respond to evil with more evil. Write it down. Don't respond to evil with more evil. But fight evil by doing... There you go. There you go. Y'all pray with me. Gracious God, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for, uh, for, your, uh, for your written word. Thank you, God, for your word, who is the person of Jesus Christ, who is our perfect example. It's difficult... It goes against our nature, but it is the will of God for us to be able to live out these directives so that we can be witnesses to a hostile and a violent world around us. May we be the hands, the feet, the mind, the character of Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.